everyone, and welcome to Nella's Tin Trunk Podcast. Today, we are sifting through the greatness of Botswana. Or as I often say, Botswana. This Southern African nation has a reputation for some of the most exclusive, private, and yes, costly safaris in Africa. It's a deserved reputation. Their model for safari tourism has been less is more. Fewer people paying higher prices means, well, first of all, fewer people. And fewer people equals less impact on the precious environments in which the African animals live. You've heard me speak of this before. The idea that a small lodge in an enormous wilderness that costs more means the conservation and community benefit without having to disrupt and impact the animal's habitat. It's a topic dear to my heart, and if you have seen images of the wildebeest crossing the Mara River in my beloved home of Kenya with way too many cars, you know what I mean. My clients visiting Kenya's Maasai Mara are not in this mess, and that is key, but that is also for another day. Today we are focusing on Botswana, where you find the famous Okavango Delta. If you listen to my Rivers Run Through It episodes, then you've heard about the world's largest inland delta and all the magic here. And if you haven't, please do, as there's lots of good information there too. The Okavango Delta is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's as pristine as Africa gets, and the waters that flood it each year from Angola are crystal clear. The delta floods coincide with the best time to visit, the dry season, from April to October. This is fall and winter in the Southern Hemisphere. During this time, in addition to driving around in open vehicles, usually without a top, just the seats under the big blue sky, the animals are moving towards the water and are easy to see as some trees have lost their leaves in the winter, creating vast wilderness areas or wilderness views. The Okavango is a must on any Botswana safari. You stay in what is called concessions, which are usually run by a single lodge and belong to one safari company. This means a lot of space with very few cars or people. Botswana itself has very few people. As of 2022, they estimate about 2.3 million. So let's put that into perspective, comparing some other safari destinations. Kenya has about 55 million. Tanzania, 62 million. South Africa, 61 million people. Zambia, 19 million. Zimbabwe, 15 million. Madagascar has 28 million. Mozambique has 32 million estimates of populations as of the most recent consensus, I guess. So the only one that really compares is Namibia with 2.4 million. And it also has very pristine ecosystem in its desert habitat. Indeed, most of Botswana also is comprised of desert habitat. The Kalahari makes up about 60% whereas the Okavango Delta only covers about 6% of Botswana. 
The salt pans, another area I love, cover about 16%. So you have less than 3 million people. You have a delta that floods annually. And you have a lot of desert. Habitats that make settling and farming difficult. And this results in one of the most pristine and important havens for African wild animals. Botswana has been praised as being a model for African conservation, too. In my conservation uh, conferences, we used to say, this is the problem X, Y, Z, except for Botswana. This is what we need to do to fix this problem everywhere except for Botswana. They still have a good reputation, although I was disappointed when they lifted their ban on hunting in 2019. And during COVID, they had a very big problem with rhino poaching. I know many are working to reverse this, and I support them with our tourism and really, really wish them success. Botswana has some pretty amazing animals. You have the iconic species like buffalo, lion, leopard, rhino, cheetah, giraffe, hyena, the African hunting dog, and elephant. In fact, Botswana is said to have 130,000 elephants, the largest population on the continent. They're concentrated around Chobe National Park, an area I don't love as it's too busy, as well as the Salinda Spillway and the, Linlan, the, the Linlan, Linyanti, and of course the Okavango Delta. There are also some special species like Lechwe and Sitatunga, the Pell's fishing owl, as well as some endemic ones existing only here, like the Sodillo gecko, the Damara tern, and the McKinley skink. Small players, but still a, worth a mention. Sitatunga are a real treat to see in the delta, as they tend to hide in the palm fronds deep within the islands. They are elusive and always around wetlands as they are exceptional swimmers and can submerge themselves and close their nostrils in order to feed on underwater plants. They also have water-repellent fur and elongated hooves that help distribute their weight while they walk around the watery marshes. Seeing a Sitatunga is lucky, and it's easiest from a helicopter, as you soar over the delta and can look down into the palm bushes on the islands. Most of my sightings are from here, in fact. The chopper trips are fantastic in and of themselves as well, because you get to see the whole perspective of the delta and how the water moves and flows and how this creates the islands. The islands, in fact, change each year, more or less depending on how strong the water flows, the path it takes, and whether the rains in Angola bring a lot of water at once or distribute it in more than one flooding, which has become more and more common, I'm told. It's all rather precarious, for if these waters were to stop flowing into the delta, the entire ecosystem would be endangered. For example, if Angola or Botswana put up a dam on the river that flows into the delta, or if rain quantities and patterns changed dramatically due to global warming. Botswana isn't just about animals, it also has some really interesting history. 
the home of that endemic gecko, the Tsodillo Hills, is not very frequently visited as you get there most easily by helicopter. But it's one of the areas famous for prehistoric cave art, believed to date back 20,000 years. And thus, it's one of the oldest rock art locations in the world. You look at this art by scrambling around on the boulders. You do the same at the Matopos Hills and the Lenchwe Latao region. Most of this art shows animals, geometric patterns, and human figures hunting and dancing or participating in ceremonies. The caves were painted with minerals, ochre, and charcoal mixed with animal fat, blood, or plant, plant sap as a binder. Animal hair, feathers, and plant fibers were used as brushes. Definitely worth a venture over to see this if you are on safari in the Delta. So what is a safari in Botswana like, and how does it compare to safaris elsewhere? I think of Botswana as a good first or second destination. Of course, if you become someone who comes many, many times, it's good over and over. It's arguably the most pristine and private safari option. It's more private than many reserves and national parks due to the concessions, wherein a safari outfitter will have the least, will have leased the rights from the local community to put up a camp or two and have only that in a big piece of wilderness. And this is the Delta. It's basically divided into several concessions, many concessions actually. So private wildlife viewing here is second to none. Also, there's little or no sign of human settlements around the Delta or these other areas, the Salinda, the Linyanti, the Kalahari. Even though communities do live nearby, and they, like everywhere else in Africa, experience human-wild conflict at times, especially with lions and livestock, you still won't see huge impacts of civilization around you, and you can expect vast starry skies at night without light pollution. In all of the locations in Botswana, you go on game drives and walks. In the Delta, you add boat rides and canoes to that. On the rivers and in the Delta, you can release the impressive, you can catch and release the impressive tiger fish, not just release it, you have to catch it first, <laughs> that goes, as, as you're on boats, it goes zooming through water channels. Believe me, it's more fun than a roller coaster. The guides know how to drive perfectly in these channels lined with papyrus, that then open up into bays teeming with hippos. And of course, with birds. Oh, the birds. They are everywhere and they are gorgeous. Saddle-billed storks are one of the ones that seem to attract a lot of appreciation. They're one of the largest stork species and they're about five feet tall. Their bill is about 14 inches long and they're so stylish with colors of black, white, red, and yellow. Look them up and you'll see. On the other side of the size uh, ratio is the Malachite Kingfisher, a tiny, beautiful bird that I call a flying piece of jewelry. They glisten like gemstones and flash their iridescent blues from perches beside the water, waiting to grab small fish with their very long bills, 
a disproportionate amount of their size is the bill, in fact. Watching them dart around and then sit with a fish almost their size dangling from that bill is a great event to see, especially from the dugout canoes they call Makoros. Makoros are basically the Venetian gondolas of Botswana. A polar, or a guy standing on the back, takes you around shallow bays to see the microbush, birds, frogs, and lots more. Water lilies floating. Spending an afternoon on a Makoro with the light changing is one of the highlights in Botswana. The light really is a protagonist there too. And it's not only in the Delta, although the reflections on the water truly do make it the Venice of Africa. The desert too, like the favorite Makhadikadi Pan, has these ancient super lakes of white sand where the light is reflected in an incredible way. These sands really are sands of time. You can find them pushing arrowheads and other ancient tools to the surface pretty much daily. You venture out onto the pan and sit down in the silence. It's pure. The ancient lake bed is devoid of plants or insects, and you don't realize it until you're out there. But it's very odd to hear nothing, not the sound of a buzzing insect, not the sound of the wind moving through the trees. Total silence. Back at home base in Botswana, you're mostly staying under canvas. And if that conjures images of crawling around in a tent, blowing up your inflatable mattress, think again. As with all tented camps in Africa, we're talking about big spaces, proper double or twin beds, built-in bathrooms with loos, showers, and sinks. I'm not a big fan of the term glamping, but let's just say it probably comes from Botswana. The tent can be simple and lovely with minimal frills, but all the comforts. Or it can have a lot of extra luxury, like a plunge pool on the deck, a fireplace in the sitting room, huge glass windows, air conditioning even. Some feature wine cellars full of South Africa's deliciousness and a chef's table. They may make gourmet sandwiches prepared over the open fire before you head out on an early morning drive. If it is safari style and luxury you seek, you will surely get it in Botswana. Have a look at my tin trunk Instagram back in May for some examples. I was there then on a horse safari in the Okavango Delta with a great client before visiting some new and refurbished lodges and then joining other clients at a super authentic and beautiful camp in the north. The riding was amazing, an area that was not famous for animals, but that has become so due to the changing flood pattern. I got to see my first leopard from a horse. I almost saw my first wild dogs from a horse, too, but unfortunately my torn meniscus was acting up, so I was in the car that day. The others did get to see it, and I got to see a lot of these incredible animals. We rode with buffalo, zebra, roan antelope, and even passed a pride of lions, where the youngsters were looking mighty hard at these big, beautiful, reed-tasty horses. Some of you may have listened to other podcasts and know that it is from a horse that I first experienced Africa. 
in northern Kenya back in 2004. It's still a favorite way to be in the bush for me, and you will hear more about this on the next podcast as I interviewed my guide named Chief, who was outstanding and who has a very special talent for riding horses around African wild animals. So stay tuned for that. And meanwhile, I'll be back in Botswana next week. So check my Instagram for some more eye candy. Thanks for listening to Nella's Tin Trunk Podcast. Wishing you joyful adventures. Until next time.